two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and today I'm joined by Amanda Renteria. She's the Chief Executive Officer at Code for America, which is a network of people making government work for the people, by the people, in the digital age. She's also the former Chief of Operations at the California Department of Justice, the former Chief of Staff in the United States Senate, and a national political director, a former national political director for a large U.S. presidential campaign. But perhaps most importantly, it is Amanda's second time on Stories from the Open Gov, which I suppose makes her an official friend of the podcast, something that will undoubtedly go top and center on her CV. So hello, Amanda, and welcome back. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was a, I was a friend within the first five minutes last time, so you know, uh, so we're close friends now. No, that's that's, that's uh, warms my heart. Uh, um, so last time when you were on, we spoke about how you had recently taken on the role as CEO for Code for America. So I'm curious, how's the job coming along? Gosh, um, I am just so um, humbled and honored to work with an incredible team at CFA, um, an incredible group of volunteers that all span across the country, and really the larger ecosystem that I think since the last time we talked have really begun to form a lot more conversations and really digging into solutions, not just in the middle of a crisis, but how do we reset in a new world where people start to be able to move around again. And so um, it's been truly just an incredible um, honor to do this work at this time. Just out of curiosity along those lines about, um, you know, setting that new normal, are you guys involved at all with whether it be vaccine passports or much more closely related with any of the COVID-19 technology, whether it be data analytics or visualizations or things like that? So we're doing a lot of our brigades are doing work on yeah. the grounds. And that was really trying to figure out how do you get folks, particularly seniors or, or people who are just not as digitally savvy, mm-hmm. how do you get them to those open appointments? Um, that's a lot of the work that we're doing. So it's very on the ground, local, where are the open slots? How do we fit them in? How do we make sure that people are educated? And frankly, I'll, I'll say this too, which is um, a lot of the work that's been happening on the ground around vaccines and education has been a little bit of a little bit of technology and a little bit of old school community organizing mm-hmm. because so much of what we're seeing right now particularly at this stage in America is some hesitancy around the vaccination some of that is about trust and so you do trust your community based organization and your neighbor right but some of that is just around sheer logistics the bus line doesn't stop at this period of time right or doesn't mm-hmm. connect with my work and so a lot of what we are doing as it particularly rates, relates to covid is figuring out what can we do on the ground. We held a couple of workshops with our brigades to really share best practices um, so that what's happening in one state, we can really model and build off of in another. Do you see perhaps the patent or the fact that President Biden has suggested that he would support having sort of a no patents around the COVID vaccines as a function within the Code for America sort of ecosystem and community, like how that could play a role there? You know, we, we have been a little less involved specifically on COVID at a national conversation. Mm-hmm. 
we are much more, oh, and, and, and frankly, a lot of that is because there are a lot, there's a lot of work going into it. CDC is going into it. It's very been very centralized out of the White House and really pushing it through. And so what we've been trying to do is where can we help catch what, it, what government can't do right now, mm. right? Whether that's really pushing out resources to school kids to get lunch programs when the schools are out, right? Whether that's making sure these new programs from the Relief Act really reach people where they are and intentionally help these communities who have often just in general been left out, but are worse off now because of the pandemic. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a, like we were talking before we, we began the, the recording here. It's, it's a really crazy world we're in. And it's nice to see that everyone's working as a team to fill in those blanks, like you're sort of, you know, suggesting. But uh, you're here because in a few days, this upcoming Wednesday, you will be hosting the 2021 Code for America Summit. And unless I'm mistaken, this will be your first Code for America Summit as CEO anyways. So how was it organizing this virtual yeah. this virtual conference? Yes, I know. Well, I have to say, it's not exactly what I had hoped for, right, when I first started, <laughs> because I just, I love, um, and I've heard so much about all the different things that we can do when we're in person and all these different ideas that have been brainstormed on what it would be like in person. And so what we're trying to do is really kind of do our best to figure out how do we make sure that we have a voice at this moment of time? How do we make sure we bring people together and really move the conversation forward in two different ways? What is different about this summit is we have put a real fine focus on government. Um, mm. We're gonna have leaders within government actually talk about what's happening and what they are doing. And then the, the other piece of that conversation is this notion around equitable outcomes. We have a real chance right now, not only to redesign systems at a time when people recognize how important they are, how important safety net systems are, how important it is to ensure all communities are taken care of, but we want to do it intentionally with the lens of equity, of making sure we have equitable outcomes. I think many times people don't look at systems and say, even the way you ask a question or what hours you're open in or how you, or how you approach somebody, um, online. All of those questions have certain cultural competencies. And in mm. order to really change outcomes, we have to be intentional about how we're going to reach communities that haven't been reached yet and how important it is to do so. And so a lot of this conversation is really grappling with some of those tough, complex questions, not just the why haven't they been reached and how do we change the system, but what are the nuances in order to reach communities when it comes to tax forms, right? Which seems very dry, but in reality, it's a basis for how you build economic empowerment um, in countries and communities across the, uh, across the country. And so those kinds of conversation are really important to be had as policymakers uh, at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level, are really thinking about their workforce and saying, as folks come back and as mm -hmm. we take a renewed look at this process, is it right? Is it by the people for the people in the digital age? It's, it's pretty amazing that way. And... I like that the city you approach, like you want equitable outcomes, you want to focus on government. And one of the tactics that you chose for the conference is four unique tracks. And I'm going to uh, speak about them right now real quick. These four tracks are design and deliver. Another one is civic innovation and data operations. Sorry, civic innovation and data. The third one is operations and management. And the last one is technology and policy. And I can't help but notice that there's a formula here on how you've chosen to name those tracks. So can you tell me a little bit more about how and why they were named that way and why you put them together that way? Well, you know, I, I, 
as our content committee came together, and I, and I have to say, one of the beautiful things about the CFA Summit is it actually isn't me, right? It, it, mm. is, it is actually the collective where they start to come together and say, what are the pieces and places that we need to be having these conversations? And you go through each of the, those, and there are changes in each of them in terms of what we need to do in an infrastructure level. Um, they're also matched up pretty nicely to the discussion, the national discussions that are happening right now. Right. And we were intentional, not only about how we set up our four tracks, but really the voices we brought to it. How are these new practitioners, some new practitioners, some folks who have been there a while and having the discussion of now, how are you going to do this differently? Right. How are you going to design it in such a way that actually reaches um, all people? And, you know, we talked a lot about the fact that um, we even want to role model the way you do this. Our content committee put out a blog post that actually had what are the breakdowns of gender and race and equity or race and ethnicity. And we put that out there because we wanted the people to see we thought about this when we thought about our presenters. And we hope that we'll see more of that coming out of government and technology because that feedback loop is what actually changes things for the better. Um, so I'm excited. Oh, and totally. And actually, that was you, you jumped on a question I was going to ask you eventually because that is the one thing that stands out when you look at your conference program is the diversity of your speakers. There was like, now a lot of conferences, especially the smaller ones who may not have the resources and, it's, and even some of the bigger ones, they often just go back to their well, right? They go to speakers that they know, the conference organizers, there's people reputations and they just, it leads oftentimes to that um, David Hasselhoff meme of like, congratulations, <laughs> you have an all male panel. <laughs> but you guys, like you were saying, you did a concerted effort to make sure you didn't have that. But that takes work, I'm assuming. And it takes intention. And, and it's easy to go to the well. It's really, really easy to go to the Rolodex. So I want to give you the opportunity right now to, to say like to those other conference organizers, go more into details as to why it's important yeah. and how they can do it, especially if they don't have the resources the CFA does. Yeah, you know, um, it really, you hit on it, which is to say it really is intentional. It really is saying, wait a second, this isn't quite right. And why aren't we bringing new voices? And who are the new voices? And where are they? And how can we, how can we find them? Um, so that's number one. Number two is I'm really lucky to work in an organization. Um, Code for America has a very clear-eyed view about we need to have, we need to be thinking about diversity and equity in all levels. We need to be thinking about people's lived experience and how much that matters in terms of being able to build products so that they reach the folks you intend to. Um, and so, you know, what I will say is the richness of the conversations as well. When you reach out and you say, hey, I want your voice as a part of this, um, this community. And frankly, I'll even say it in this way, which is a lot of the folks we approach, we approach very honestly to mm -hmm. say, we are intentionally wanting um, your voice. And in some ways, in some cases, I said, we should have been doing this, you know, from the very, very beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, our systems are really set up to have a certain kind of voice, a certain kind of style. And I am really excited that we have so much interest from the very beginning when we put out build and uh, design an equitable government, how much interest we had in not only people submitting, but sometimes the submissions aren't diverse. And you can say, hold on a second, how do we go beyond that submission? We can, be, we can put a little more energy into this because maybe when we ask for submissions, maybe we didn't link to the right co-branding to get to folks that had a diverse pool. So that was our first, our first big picture, which is when we got the pool, we didn't just work from the pool. We asked ourselves, how do we widen this now a little bit more? And, and you know, it's funny you bring that up because I did submit uh, uh, <laughs> a, 
uh, a session idea for the your, your summit. Obviously, oh. I was not accepted, <laughs> uh, but I don't hold any grudges or anything along the way. Did you tell them we were close friends? No. It, would have no, it would have made no difference, by the way. We have a whole algorithm for this stuff. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not smart enough to think that way, so obviously it didn't work out. But I, like I said, it, but 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 at the same time, I, I'm a good old white boy, you know, a white male. I fall in that sort of David Hasselhoff meme. But at the same time, I can only imagine how many submissions were were sent to you guys. And and I think if I counted correctly, you might have maybe like 16 breakout sessions. Can you yeah. speak a little bit more about the the process on deciding who's gonna get some of that real estate on your program? Yeah. Well, again, I really do trust our contents committee and mm -hmm. our, and my team to really um, push this forward in a way that's equitable and fair. And um, I got to tell you, they would, they would give reports about the equitable piece to it, which really gave me a lot of confidence um, in terms of how thoughtful they were being, but really how much they were really role modeling what we'd like to see um, really across the board. I, I'll say this. Um, Partly what we struggled with, and it was a struggle, is because we do have fewer hours of programming this time around. And we really struggled with how do we say no to some incredible things mm. that came in. Um, I also will say there's been a lot more going on in this space. I mean, if you just think about authors as an example, how many books came out? The, pres the former president of the United States tweeted out um, Power to the People, a book that just came out fairly recently, right? So this conversation is very relevant. It is hot. And um, the, the grace I have given the team is to say, yes, we are having a summit, but it doesn't mean we don't have to, it, it doesn't mean we won't have further conversations and events. And so one plug here is that I do intend, we do intend as Code for America um, to really have some author conversations. We've had some directors come in, um, talk about coded bias as an example of, of some, some really great stuff that's out there. But this is the beginning of a conversation we want to keep going. And I think it's incredibly important to do so right now because there is such a focus on digital delivery, on government, on tech, on equity, and all the things that we're going to be talking about at this, uh, at this summit. Did, uh, I know you're, obviously this is your first summit as CEO, but has anyone commented within your team or the content committee that there are new trends in terms of the submissions this time around that perhaps in the past were not present in terms of session ideas? You know, um, we got a lot more authors um, mm -hmm. and we had to make a real big decision. Are we going to have sort of a book series um, piece? Um, we, we didn't. It, it, it was just and that was a hard decision. Mm -hmm. um, we had we had quite a few. I, I think there was a wonder because of our theme, building an equitable government, whether or not we would get fewer submissions, mm -hmm. um, because I would say the space is still early on in this work. Right. I mean, even the ability we, we talk about it a lot of times, you are what you measure, but there aren't measurements out there, not even like data you can gather for some of these government programs to say, how are you doing with black and brown communities or indigenous communities? It's, it's sometimes hard to see. And so we thought that would lead to fewer folks submitting and it didn't. We actually had quite a volume coming in, really interesting ideas. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, all, all I can say is this is the beginning of a conversation that I hope to keep going but I'm also well aware that um, I cannot wait until we can be back in person. And I suspect <laughs> it will be an in-person and virtual um, because some of those side conversations are really important, right? And people come to the summit knowing they might not be on main stage, but they can have a really cool conversation and get to know the space and the ecosystem that right now is maturing right in front of our eyes. 
the way the coalitions are coming together and the different ways that civic tech organizations are really tackling some of the issues that are out there right now. You bring us something interesting about the next summit being in person and, and with a blend of virtual and in person, yeah. but right now you're all virtual. I'm a big fan of movies and I love listening to directors in particular. And there's some old fuddy duddies like Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino <laughs> who are, in my opinion, they have very strong uh, uh, rights in saying this, that they don't like the Netflixes of the world because they don't have your full and undivided attention. And I know my, for myself, whenever I attend a virtual conference type, yeah. they probably don't have a hundred percent of my attention either. Um, so, which leads me to my next question for you is I noticed that you guys are using a tool called Hopin, I believe it's called as a pronunciation. Yep. I never heard of it before, huh. as opposed to using Zoom or Teams. Can you speak a little bit about that? Is that to get around? Is there perhaps more engagement through Hopin that you would not have through Zoom or Teams? Yeah, that's what that was what we heard is that it was um, I've been to a couple of Hopins and there's some tools where you can have side conversations um, on the back end. You can move things in and out. Um, but but I will say this, which is I don't think we've figured this out. So I don't think the tech recording, you know, video conferencing world has quite figured this out. Um, so we're still piloting this kind of stuff. Right. And we're mm -hmm. seeing what's working, what's not working. Um, and and I'll say this is. I think some of this aspect is, is here to stay. I think we will see in person and that will still grab your attention. And frankly, I think it will grab people's attention even more because I think there's going to be an appreciation now yeah. for I am in person. I am in front of you, right? Yeah. Quit looking at your phone, right? You could have done that for like a year, year and a half. And so I think it'll change the way we interact today, right? Um, at these conferences. But I do think there'll be an element of the virtual space and a lot of these different platforms will learn all right, what does that look like? How do you become the social hour and how does it more engaging? And you know, how do you pull out in, in automatically the big conversations that are happening yeah. in the chat box, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, you know, we're gonna do our best with this, but I do, I do have to say, you know, everyone's learning. Everyone's learning and we do expect um, that folks are gonna sort of hop in and hop out. <laughs> um, and, and you'll see, we'll, we'll do some, some stuff around it too, where we'll, we'll clip some pieces so that those who didn't see something, maybe it sparks their attention. And that's really what we've also learned is it's equally important that we, there is a follow-up in terms of what happened, what were the really interesting insights that, that, might, that might you want to push out a little bit more in a 30-second clip or a minute clip or a, a graphic. Yeah, and yeah. so um, it, this is the beginning of a conversation that I think you're going to be able to see over time, recognizing that people interact differently today. Well, let me ask you a question real quick related to that. It's, it's not directly to what you were talking about, but I refuse to believe that at least not at one point in your organizing committees, you, you didn't talk about being Zoom bombed. And, oh. right, because that's <laughs> You're something... scaring me now. <laughs> Jeez. That's really not my intent, but, but this <laughs> is the reality. A lot of us, I know I was Zoom bombed. Uh, this is something that was born out of the pandemic is being Zoom bomb. Were there any controls or any thoughts put to that on how or what to do? And, and again, you're teaching a little bit yeah. people that don't have those kind of resources you have. Like, what have you done to maybe prevent that, perhaps? I don't know if this is your, 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 what you were responsible for necessarily or can speak eloquently on, but. Yeah, we, we thought about that. Yeah. Um, there are some, some things that our team really looked, looked at and said, okay, let's, let's manage it let's manage this in that way. And um, Hopin was helpful 
in, in that regard um, because you have another layer. Um, so we, we did think about it. It wasn't the reason why we didn't use Zoom though. Um, we feel comfortable. And we also, um, if we thought Zoom was a place where you could have a little bit more engagement and interaction, we probably would have went with that. We just have found or found from seeing other, other conferences, learning from others as we do, um, that it was a little bit more engaging. And, and I think we also at Code for America recognize just the way we work iteratively. We don't get too bogged down by, we'll figure it out, right? And yeah. in real time, you might have to deal with that. And that's just how our programs go too. Is, and, and it's something we often talk about with government officials is, is we say like, no, we want to do it with you. We want to pilot it with you, right? And you'll learn with us. And that's a little bit scary, but we continue to try and role model it. So if somebody hops on, uh, we'll roll with it and we'll figure it out. <laughs> Uh, the last question I have to, for you uh, uh, before we close out the conversation, and I'm going to put you on the spot one more time here uh -oh. and sort of choose who your, your favorite child is. There's a <laughs> lot of, <laughs> right. There's a lot of different sessions, keynotes and breakouts, but what are, what are some of the ones that, that you're really excited about that you like, you know, this is, this is going to be oh. really special kind of deal. Um, well, my, my kid, my 11 year old fairly recently said, mom, like, have you decided who's your favorite child? And my answer was, uh, no, because neither of you are my favorite child. Um, <laughs> that is not the case here. It's exactly the opposite, which is there's such good programming. Um, there's such really just rich and interesting voices. I, I think, um, you know, when I think about the people on the front lines, right, when I think about folks um, like a Stacey Dean, who is like on the front lines doing the work, when I think about my friend, Mayor Tubbs, who has actually tried some innovative work around universal basic income. Mm -hmm. um, Lieutenant, obviously, Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, who has um, passed the biggest role model bill for criminal justice reform for automatic record clearance. I mean, these are folks who I look forward to how people are going to react to their comments, their ideas, their style and their way. But, you know, honestly, I, I, I can't pick a quote favorite, if you will. And the intention is, what really does link with you? Where do you want to go? Because in each of these categories, um, we've got plenty to look at, plenty to learn from. And, um, and gosh, I'm just excited about it. So there you go. I have no answer for you. You should know this. Oh, I was not expecting it. I didn't expect you to pick a favorite child here, but I had to ask the question. <laughs> uh, but so real quick then, what's after, for, what's after the summit for Code for America? Our work continues. I mean, I can't tell you enough how many times we have been on calls and conversations, whether it's with the White House or with agency teams who are saying, how can we scale this, right? Mm -hmm. We just saw one of the biggest relief bills pass in, you know, in America. We see a president right now who is really reshaping the goals, saying we want to reduce child poverty by 50%. Um, boldly, loudly, I'd like it to be, you know, ending it, period. But you're hearing a different uh, priority. And that really does shape our work in ways that I don't even think the public really understands what, what it means when you put the full force and power of the federal government linking with state governments to try and address major issues in this country. And it's been a long time um, since we've seen that. I, when I first started at Code for America, my first op-ed was a government with heart. And um, I thought it was going to be further away. And I feel mm -hmm. like what we've seen um, really in the last couple of months is really putting a heart back into government and staying it loudly, wearing it on our shoulders, if you will. And I think it's about time to be in that place again.
Well, thanks to organizations like Code for America that are showing government how to govern in the 21st century and doing it digital. So, so thank you so much for all the work that you guys are doing there. And before I let you go, do you mind telling people how they can reach you? The, the event is in a few yeah. days. I'm assuming people can still register. Tell us yep. all those particulars. Yeah, so you can still register. Go to codeforamerica.org. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Code for America. You can follow me at, um, at Amanda Renteria. Um, yeah, I, you know, listen, I, we're on Instagram. We're, we're on Facebook. We're, all, we're on um, Clubhouse. We are trying to be at every single venue we possibly can. Um, and I know some of them are more exclusive than others. And our idea is you must be everywhere if you really want to reach all people. And so please reach out. Um, please join us for our summit. Can't wait to see you. And it's really great to be back on the show. Well, thank you so much for being part of the, thank you so much for being part of the show one more time and best of luck with the summit. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. And I want to thank our audience for listening. And as usual, please leave a rating or a comment on how to make the podcast better or if there's any guests or any stories you'd like to hear. So until next time, let's make it open.